Ever feel like you've got to get your should together? Is your should about to hit the fan? Have you been sitting in your shoulds for most of your life wondering if you could be more, see more, or do more? Welcome to Shut the Should Up with Candace Payne and Jenny Randall. We're both authors and speakers who want to stomp out your flaming bag of should. With a whole lot of faith, together, let's sort through the pain, purpose, and promise to find freedom in the things we tell ourselves we should and should not do. Because there's so much more in you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Shut the Should Up. I'm Jenny Randall, and I'm here with not Candace Payne today. We miss her dearly, but the new co-host for this mini series on Flash Theology, Brayden Brookshire. What? What? <laughs> oh my gosh, every time I'm like, how's he gonna how's he gonna enter the chat? There we go. Gotta be spontaneous. Gotta be spontaneous. He is here and ready. Now, um, in planning this series on theology. Caden, Caden, uh, what? <laughs> Candace, I don't know what I'm, ha- what's happening here. I just had a mini stroke. No, Candace had a loaded question mm-hmm. that she threw our way. She's like, you have to unpack this topic, which I agree with. The question is, if God is so good, why is there so much suffering? Now, this episode might be hard to listen to if you're in a season of suffering. I'm, I'm reminded of in college, I had a TV show and we would walk around and we would do this thing called people on the street interviews. So we would go with our camera and our microphone and we would ask them these loaded questions. And one of the questions we asked this older gentleman was something like, are you, are you still in, are you involved in a church? We were kind of getting this gauging the, the everyday people, if they go to church and what it's like. And, uh, I was not expecting his response, but it, it was a tear filled response. And he said, I used to be a pastor of a church and my daughter got really, really sick and she ended up passing away. And I've been mad at God ever since. And I decided I didn't want to be a part of anything that that God would do if he took away my daughter. And I was, we just sat in the silence of his heavy response. And when I think of suffering often, that is a common response to that. Well, why would God do this? So we're, we are taking that big loaded question and we have uh, academic theologian, Brandon Brookshire, also co-author of Flash Theology. We wrote it together and we're going to just digest some of these big truths in hopes that if you are in a season of suffering now or in the future, your theology will be shaped not on your circumstance, but on the biblical truth of who God is. So Brayden, why don't you begin uh, to kind of unpack that that loaded question for us? Yeah, just as a first thing to say, I mean, anything with suffering, my heart goes out to people on this because <clears throat> this is a question that often I think uh, people frame it as they want it, the why. They want to know the logical answer. Hardly ever do they actually need or want that in the time of suffering. They just need a hand to hold. They need a hug. They need to know that someone cares. They need to know that God cares. Uh, So obviously, like, this is a tough one because we all walk through this in various ways. And can I just say, please don't compare suffering. Suffering is suffering. And and when you're comparing suffering, guess what? No one wins. (laughs) So, like, so please don't compare. Please do justice to it. Know that there's a book of the Bible called Lamentations. Like, 
we have a rich heritage within Christianity that allows us to lament, that helps us process through it. There is, it's not a modern question to ask the question of suffering. It's also an ancient one. It's only modern that we start turning to atheism as a sort of resolution to the question of suffering. Let me unpack that real quick. Um, You know, in the ancients always have had to deal with suffering. This is not new. Like I said, in fact, uh, yeah. So, but this always worked within a theistic framework, within a belief in God or gods, depending on what you believed in the ancient past. But yeah, athe- I learned in seminary, atheism was not a thing until recently. Like there, there, yeah. everyone had a belief in a God, right? Yeah, it, it, exactly. Even if you believe the gods were very detached from your daily life or whatever, it, belief in God or gods were very, I mean, it was everywhere. It was all yeah. there was. And so suffering didn't eliminate God from the equation. And so I want to just, first of all, challenge someone who does turn to atheism. And this, again, this isn't an emotional pastoral good response. This is an analytical response. I acknowledge that. But turning to atheism does not give you any solutions because all it does is said the pain in the random. I just began to think, what if someone doesn't know how to define atheism? Okay. Atheism is just uh, the word the letter A before theism. So it means uh, not God. Uh, So it's the belief that there is no God. So that's different from being a skeptic because a skeptic says there may or may not be a God. Um, And they're called as agnostics. Agnostics, yeah, to not know. Yeah, atheism is just a belief that there isn't a God. It's a resolve to believe, okay, I believe there isn't a God at all. Yeah. So yeah, so atheism though, you don't get any closer though to finding out your why. In fact, you will forever have to deal with the pain and the not knowing. But- Mm -hmm as a Christian, and I've had to walk through some intense seasons of infertility. I now have a son who's nearly two years old, but in four years and four miscarriages and far more, that's there's details to unpack in this short time. I had to walk through some times of reconciling the fact that I had a relationship with God and the fact that I was walking through suffering, but I was, it pressed me in because I was never, ever going to get any resolve by stiff arming God. I could mm-hmm. only get that by walking with him through it. Sorry, that's my little caveat before we dive more into the what the Bible says about this. But anything it's else a, you want to add It's a there? good disclaimer because that's often the drawn the line in the sand saying, well, because of this, I no longer believe. And you're saying even in the ancient days, that wasn't the go-to response. Right. So you're almost urging those that have had that response to perhaps consider the Christian biblical response to suffering, which you're going to lead us through now. Yeah, because even if you don't like the way the world is being governed, aka the way God is ruling the universe or whatever, it doesn't eliminate God. That's not evidence against God. Yeah. It's not evidence against God at all. So that, that that's all. But like when we talk about this, I like to break it down in three key points that I think you and I can unpack, Jenny. But the first point really is this, uh, uh, through a biblical lens, a good biblical theological lens, we, as humans, we see the world as it is, not as it should be. And this ties a lot into the conversation we've been having in this mini-series the past several weeks. It's that we have to remember that God's original creation was tarnished by the marring of sin. And so because sin is that which goes against God's intention, sin is the antithesis of God's design. So God's design is good, but sin opposes that goodness. And so we see the world as post-fall, but pre 
uh, I'm big word, pre-eschaton, pre-before the end of what God is going to do with creation, aka the new creation. And so in other words, when people frame it like, why did God create the world with so much suffering? The answer is he didn't. He didn't create the world with so much suffering. The world was created very good and with even better potential to reach, but it wasn't created with suffering and uh, and such in it. Suffering came as a result of sin entering the world. That's a good starting point. Any thoughts you want to add to that, Jenny? Oh, I'm just like loving it. So, so God's original design was for humans to be image bearers of himself, not actually to be God, but in this, this moment of self, um, autonomy, they were like, Mm -hmm. we know what's best. We're going to eat the fruit. And then all of a sudden they were separated from God because God was trying to remove them from this temptation. And as we talked about in dwell in last episode, God is bringing us back to himself. And so we assume that God lets bad things happen to good people, but that's actually what you're saying. That's an inaccurate assessment. That's not theologically accurate. Right. It's from this thought that these cursed humans, also ourselves, uh, assume the good people, that good people have authority to judge this morality and decide actually what is good, what is bad. And that's a whole different conversation. But it's the thought that we we were created for God, not to be God. And now there's a suffering that God doesn't really, I, I think I can put it this way, doesn't take ownership of. Right. Yeah. So when we, when humans send, I'll just say when we send just for uh, solidarity, when we sure. send um, solidarity, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Right. I mean, so in Adam, no, but, I, know, uh, I liked it. This is funny. <laughs> I feel your pain. I yeah. Pain yeah, exactly. When Adam yeah. and Eve send, when we send, um, we were essentially saying to God, we can rule this world without you. Although we're image yeah. bearers, we are not going to be contingent and reliant on you. Like you said, we're seeking autonomy. Now, God did something very interesting when he created the universe. He created the fabric of the universe to have a twin trajectory with it so that when humans uh, rise and ascend and grow and thrive and flourish, can I add any more synonyms? <laughs> As humans flourish, creation flourishes too. When humans fall, creation falls too. And that's why you always see it through the biblical storyline. Even bef- uh, so at the fall, what else falls when humans fall? Creation falls. What happens when Israel uh, is thriving and obeying God's Torah? Creation's doing well. Crops are doing well. All of that. What happens when they, they aren't doing well and uh, disobeying God? Well, things aren't going well and they go into exile. And then let's bring it to the ultimate end. Um, at the end of it all, in new creation, humans... Uh, resurrect and experience new creation. All of the universe resurrects and experiences new creation too. There's a twin trajectory in which how God has created the universe. I, you've opened a can of worms, my friend. <laughs> you've opened a can of worms because you know what I think of. And what? if we don't have time to unpack this, we can oh, we can move on. But I think of when like a natural disaster happens and you you turn on the prayer network or just a generic Christian TV show and they're like say and I've heard I've heard Christian leaders say this that that thing happened because people were disobedient and you brought Ooh. this on yourself this is the judgment of the lord okay how many yeah, times yeah. have we heard that yeah yeah not, but, wait, no, but, not but you've just described that not quite I wouldn't so, say quite in the same well, how way how is it different how is it okay because wait, let me ask you this. Do you agree with that assessment that natural disasters are the judgment of the Lord? 
Because I do not. What no, are no, I, I, I maybe only, only in the sense by which the fall has brought about the reality of natural disasters. So, uh, for example, okay, I agree with that. So it's yeah. not like the Lord is like, okay, let's give this population a hurricane and and see what they do. Disagree. Oh, by no means. No, I don't think that's at all what we're saying here. When when we're we're sketching something broad, when we say there's a twin trajectory between humans and the creation itself, we're saying it in a very broad sense, not in a highly specific sense. So Hurricane Katrina or whatever it is, is not okay because people in Florida were not obeying God. Like, in fact, you can actually put it the opposite way. Sometimes natural disasters come to those who are uh, the best moral people of a particular region or faithfully obeying God. Natural disasters and disasters and suffering and evil and atrocities of all kind happen to people the righteous and the unrighteous alike. This has nothing to do with that. This is more broad sketching um, the the storyline of scripture. Okay. And I think of two, if we have this as an overarching reminder, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Mm -hmm. So anything in suffering that is connected to stealing, killing, destroying, we can attribute to who? Not God, but the enemy. Oh, totally. And it's a good, it's a, it's, that's why I'm glad you're here to help like bring these caveats in because we don't want to diminish the fact that there is spiritual warfare, uh, yeah. that there is an enemy and he does have an army, the powers of darkness. And so that stuff's really real. It is real. And we might not always be able to parse it out of being like, who can we, uh, was this a nat like natural disaster, spiritual warfare, all that stuff. Like that's a separate conversation, but that is a reality and it does play a role in the evil in the suffering we see in the world. So we don't want to diminish that at all. What we yeah. do want to say is that the fall has brought about not just the fall of humanity, but the fall of creation. But God in his redemption isn't just going to redeem us, but is going to redeem his creation too. Mm. You you better believe when we had a hurricane warning, like they were saying a uh, category four was going to hit us. I was anointing the doors with oil. <laughs> I had my kids doing it. Matt was like, can you guys calm down a little? But it, it was uh, interesting. So you're saying point one in regards to why is there so much suffering if God is good? It, One, it's simply the clarification. Yeah, go ahead. We see the world as it is and should be. So we see the world through through this biblical lens. We see the world as it is, not as it should be. Um, because what we're looking at is the reality of the world, not as it was originally created and not as it will newly be remade. We're in the tension right now. Now we yeah. have the biblical framework to tell us that. We have the biblical framework to remind us of God's original creation and of his promised new creation, but we live in the midst of the tension of that. That's point one, number one, basically. Living in the tension. Okay. I love, I love, because there's so there's a mystery. Mm -hmm. Our life is not a straight line. I mean, if only it were, there's all these squiggly paths we have to take and there's this mystery to living um, that God is slowly unraveling, right? So what's, what's number two? Yeah. Um, point number two is that God entered into our suffering to provide healing. And this is best seen in the incarnation. Incarnation, big word, uh, buzz it. Just go ahead and buzz it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh... <laughs> incarnation is simply the, simply <laughs> the fact that Jesus is the person of Yahweh, the God of Israel, having come and become a genuine human. So Jesus is both God and man. He is the God of Israel, the God who, in fact, in Jude chapter one, it says, is the one who rescued Israel from Egypt. He is the God that we read about all throughout scripture, having come in the person of Jesus. So the incarnation. Mm -hmm. 
So we see, in the incarnation, we see something really profound, though, in what God says about suffering. It says that God is not uh, indifferent to suffering. It says that he actually says, I will personally come to resolve the issue. Not, oh, suffering, that looks like it sucks. Well, follow me and one day you won't suffer anymore. Uh, okay, not complete truth. Jesus entered into our problem. He wept. There's that awesome verse in John chapter 11. Jesus had compassion. That, like the, the, What happens in the gospels is that Jesus became susceptible to the human experience. He suffered. He felt sick, I'm sure, sometimes maybe. You know, had a common cold perhaps. Uh, I, we don't know, you know. But like point being, he hungered. He thirst. He, he thirsted. He, he was betrayed. He did no wrong. He had no sin in him, but he suffered for us, ultimately suffered for us on the cross right? I mean, and so the cross was the very means of our healing. And so basically human infidelity, human unfaithfulness led to divine um, God taking it upon himself to say, I, as God, will faithfully heal you. I will enter into the problem and solve it by suffering for you. And his suffering and his self-sacrifice leads to our healing. You know, I know this episode is really heavy and like we've discussed, we're on episode four of our mini series on theology and it's not, it's not always like this on shut the shit. So I want to give pause yeah. that we are talking about some really heavy thoughts and themes and ideas. And, and we want to, our heart in this, especially this specific episode is to give you a biblical framework. Um, to know what it looks like to be in a relationship, to have a healthy theology that says, okay, I'm in the midst of suffering, yet I know the one who suffered for me. Yes. And the way Brayden just described that is is beautiful. And I, you know what, B, I hope this is a resource people listen to often if they're in a hard time, um, just because you're queuing us up as Christ followers to have such such a good theology around like in the end we'll be okay. Right. Yeah. True. This is, this is just the middle ground of the tension that we, that everyone will live in. We will all face suffering at one point or another. Um, and I like how you said, don't compare suffering. Um, but remember who, who suffered on our behalf. And because of that, there is healing that comes now. Now, what do you do with we could talk, this is a whole nother big loaded topic, but there, yeah. so our question is, if God is so good, why is there so much suffering? What about if God is so good and I've been praying for healing and I believe that God will heal me yet. He has yet to heal me. Um, but he's healed my best friend. Like how, what do we do with that tension of understanding the theological truth? God is healer yet. I'm still sick. Right. Cause that's often something people say as well. Yeah, I have a very profound three-word answer to that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, but to and to, can that be enough? Like that should. Here's a should. Can we let that be enough? Should that be enough? Is that okay? That we don't know. It's that mystery, right? Yeah, and it kind of has to be. We follow Jesus, uh, some and somewhat into the unknown in some of those regards of how the trajectory of our life goes. None of us. Uh, I None. felt a Frozen song coming on. Isn't that into the unknown? No. Yeah. No <laughs> I finally got your theater singing voice. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but Frozen nailed it. Uh, into the unknown. But like <laughs> not completely unknown in that we, we do know the end of the story and the story ends good and such. But 
what's more important when we're walking through suffering is not how it's going to play out, but who we're following. So following, knowing that who in the character of God is more important than knowing the details of how the crystal ball and how our lives are going to shape up. We're going to have things in our life that aren't going to go our way. And yes, we, it's easy to compare and be like, what? But I didn't, I didn't lose a child. I mm. cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. And I don't have any trite statements for that. Oh, God gives his hardest battles to his toughest soldiers. Please, please, please never say that ever, don't ever, ever, it. ever. Like on things God's what ain't, not to say. God ain't, or when someone dies, that they're watching on, down on you as an angel. Yeah, so dumb. So many bad things about it in so many ways. But yeah, I, I, I think, Jenny, you did bring up a loaded question. But what I appreciate about it is that I don't think – actually, I know that Scripture is not afraid. And the God we serve – uh, and love and loves us is not afraid to walk with us through those. In fact, because again, Jesus entered into our suffering to provide healing. He, he's basically saying, Hey, whatever amount of whatever qualms, whatever problems you have with the question of evil and suffering in the world, let me take the heaviest dose of it. Like Mm -hmm. inject me with the heaviest dose of it and upon the cross. And that's what he took. He took the worst dose of it all and absorbed it upon himself as the very means to reconcile us, which of course could be a very a loaded thing of how we impact that even more that we won't today. But point being, at least pertaining to the conversation of suffering, we have a God, as Hebrews 4 says, is able to empathize with our weaknesses. That might not be enough to give us a why, but it does give us a who. It gives us a hand to hold while we're walking through suffering. So you might be mad at God. You might even be banging his chest, to give like a picture, you might be mm-hmm. banging his chest, but he's still hugging you through it. And you might bang his chest and say, I don't get it. I'm mad at you, God. He's like, be mad at me, but walk with me through it. You won't, don't stiff arm him. You won't get anywhere by stiff arming him through it. You could even be mad at him. That's still relational. To be mad at God is still relational than to resent him. Like, so my challenge, if you're in a season, you can be honest with where you're at. I had a thing called the dark journal. My dark journal is a place I go when I don't need to give caveats in my prayer life. God, like, God, oh, I, I know, you know, I trust you. I'm not forsaking you. Uh, I love you. I believe in you still. Like, I don't need the caveats. It's like a place I go around. God, I'm pissed off. Can I just say that? Like when you're very upset, when you're distraught, when there are words that you would not even say on a podcast, that's a place you can go to. That's a God who you can go to, who embraces you and walks you through it. That's the amazing thing about theology. Uh, the Jenny, this is a phrase you use, and I, I, I love it all the time, stabilizing truths. The stabilizing truth here is that we have a God who not only knows suffering, but will not forsake you in the darkest paths you walk through. And he can take it even if you want to blame him all the way through it. Hmm. Don't resent him. Be mad at him if you must. Be honest with where you are emotionally, lean into community, go through counseling. We recommend all those things, but don't resent God. That will not lead you to the path of healing, only walking with him, even if you're banging his chest all along the way. Uh, I'm feeling all the feelings listening to this. So in in all our mini series, we've had one guest come on and kind of teach it, this masterclass uh, where they would lean into their expertise and give us five points or six points or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really plan that for this because Brayden was just on all all five episodes of this the- theological series. But I love that this is becoming a masterclass. And I'm sorry, Brayden, that suffering is the topic that we've entrusted to you. But right. this is these you've only shared two truth so far. There's one more he's going to give us, but these three truths, I know I'm getting emotional hearing you talk about it because I know, I mean, I've watched the pain you and Ariana have, that's his wife, have walked through with 
uh, pregnancy and loss and just, and I know you're speaking from a place of you've done the wrestling. Like mm -hmm. you said, you journaled through the, the big and heavy questions and dare I ask, mm -hmm. are you stronger because of it? Yes. Uh, and here's why when someone asks me, uh, when I was walking through suffering, I remember it was someone who clearly didn't know me that well. They knew my situation and they asked me, Brayden, are you like deconstructing your faith? <laughs> you know, essentially, are you, are you like walking away from Jesus? Okay, you find it. Am I walking away from Jesus because of my suffering? And I said, it, it was a tone change in how I answered it because I said, of course not. How could I? How could I walk away from Jesus? Like, I will never, ever walk away from Jesus. Not only does he give me all the hope I need, not only he's been too good. I know too much. I know too yeah. much to where like, I can't, I would be lying to myself to disbelieve in the resurrection, not only from historical analytical point of view, but from a personal experience of my encounters with God, I know too much to forget all of that. But what I, but what this brought about was a tension in my life that I know I'll walk the rest of the way until I see him face to face. And it's that I will not have answers on some of these things. And I'm a guy that loves to have answers. I love to know the why. I love to tell people the why. Friends, if you're walking through something right now, I'll just be the first to tell you. I, I don't know, but I would be gladly sit with you. I would just sit with mm -hmm. you and hear how you're feeling. I, I would point you to just, there's a book called Lamentations in Scripture. Guys, like, and on God's own time, where, where his comfort comes and how it comes, I'm praying for that for you. Yeah. And on. I don't know. And I'm okay, I'm really okay now saying that. And that to me has been a huge transformation. Not only do I feel like I have a faith that won't give up no matter come what may, um but that um I just I don't force people to <laughs> comfort. I let them walk through the feelings of it now. So so good. So you've shared two yeah. main ideas surrounding this topic. If God is so good, why is there so much suffering? And you've urged us all to lean in a little more. And and the academic, logical, theological yeah. truths you hold on to, you encounter in suffering, like it becomes real. Where This is where those truths of God become real, right? Because they mm -hmm. stabilize you through it. So what's, we only have a couple minutes, yeah, but what's I'll be your third What's your third point? The third one. And of course, again, there's so much more that you and me can say and unpack this from a biblical perspective. So please know that this isn't the end. This isn't exhaustive on this topic. But the right. third thing I would frame it with as far as the story of scripture is this. There's an unraveling plan meant to eradicate all suffering forever. Let me say mm -hmm. it another way. God is not content with a world marked by suffering and evil. So he's unfolding this master plan to get rid of it permanently. And that's what like scripture in Paul and in Revelation, it's all about, it's, it's that God's justice and setting all the world right and making all things new is delayed. It's not denied. And so that promise there isn't that we're not going to see it happen. It's the certainty that it will happen. Just we're living in the tension between it, uh, between the now and the not yet. And so just yeah. knowing that is one of those uh, stabilizing truths that, okay, I don't like how this feels right now. I, it's may be hard to trust the story when you don't like the chapter you're in, but this mm -hmm. is not the final chapter. And that really, really helps me. Ah, oh, Brayden, I just, 
I want to ask if you'll pray over anybody that's listening and in a season of suffering. Um, and then we'll wrap the show, but those three points, thank you for sharing. And from your own experience as well, I know that like we already mentioned, these stabilizing truths can shape your theology, your thoughts about God in, in the hard seasons, you might feel like you're wavering, but God is still there and he is still hugging you. I like how you said this, hugging you through the punches. So Brayden, will you pray for anybody listening who might be in a hard season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lord, you are the king of the universe and nothing is too uh, much for you. No, you have to ask no one for authority or permission. You are above it all. So we do ask if anyone's walking through something, God, that demands healing. God, we do ask for healing. We ask that you intervene in a supernatural way. You know how to do it. You've done it so many times. We ask you do it again. We have faith that you can. And we, in fact, we trust you will. Like God, that I, I believe that out of this episode, someone's listening right now, God, that you are going to bring a miracle in their life, something that they've yeah. been anticipating, waiting, needing healing for. W- would you bring that as just a foretaste, as an appetizer of your ultimate goodness and how you're going to set all things right and make all things new? Would this miracle in someone's life listening right now just be an appetizer of that? But God, I also pray for some people here, God, who are listening and right now they have all the feels because they're walking through some serious doubts. Someone might even be thinking about giving up their faith altogether. But God, I pray your comfort comes in a way that does not make sense because even though their circumstances might not be changing, you are changing their heart. You are refining them like pure and beautiful gold. I pray that right now they learn to lean in. They learn to even be honest with you, God. I pray that that their most raw and real emotions, they, they would give those to you. They'd express those to you and that they would sense what it's like to walk with a God who knows how to weep with them, who knows how to take the punches even as you hug them. I pray for you to hug them so tightly that they feel it, God. It's not just some spiritual hug. They feel it. Please make it palpable and real. Everyone listening to this, myself included, Jenny included, have things, God. Walk us through. We need you. We need you in between the now and the not. Yeah, it's great to know that things are going to be all okay in the end. Help us feel that sense of peace even right now. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to hold on to more theological truths, be sure to check out Flash Theology, our book that just released. You can visit flashtheology.com for more information. We have a small group curriculum as well as presentation slides. If you are a church leader and want to lead your people through some some great conversations to know and enjoy God more. Um, Brayden, thank you so much for your wisdom on this episode. Greatly appreciated. And until next week, we have one more episode left in our theology series. We'll see you next week. Continue to embrace the freedom to kick your should out the door. If you've been inspired to stop shitting yourself, head over to iTunes and write a review and just give us all the stars. If there's one thing you're going to should yourself with, you should subscribe to our show so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.